episode 154 with the one and only Rabbi Zushi Greenberg, and this was Rabbi's third appearance, undoubtedly one of my most favorite episodes and one of my most impactful episodes on the Optimal Life to date, uh, as we talk about the pursuit of happiness and everything it takes to pursue it the proper way and then to hold it and find it and feel it and live it. Unbelievable conversation. I can't wait for you to hear this. Please subscribe. Please share this episode with friends, family, anyone that you think may need a little of this insight and inspiration. Please do share. Send the, You could text the message, uh, text message, the episode. You could email it. However you choose to get it to these people, please let them know that this episode's out there. I, I really believe we can touch a lot of people with this episode. So with that said, everyone, please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Rabbi Zushi Greenberg. The Optimal Life. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, sure. Welcome back. How are you? Thank God. Doing very well. What a crazy 2020. Absolutely, really. And you dealt with a lot of things because you get to see everything. You see the ups, the downs, the happiness, the sadness. It's like when you came to the Bris the other day, you said, it's nice to be here for something happy and joyous. Exactly, because it was after last year we were there for a, for a loss in the family. We were, yeah. And this time I came, the same, I came to the same place, the same people, but for a happy occasion. What is that like? the life of a rabbi or a pastor or minister of anybody that is offering spiritual services to people. I always wondered how do you guys handle the roller coaster of every single day because at one moment, correct me if I'm wrong, but one hour you could be at a funeral, the next hour you're at a, a baby naming or a bris, the next hour you're at a, a wedding. I mean, what is the wave of emotions and how do you manage it? First of all, you're right. It's, it's, very, it's, specially, it's very draining. That's f number one. And uh, when you, especially when you start this job and you're young and you, it takes a big toll on you. But also, even now, it, it's, it's, it's a very hard thing to, to support another person, to give somebody strength. You have to really put yourself in his shoes. You have to really feel his pain. That's the only way you can, the only way you can really give him comfort. It's not something you can pretend, oh, tell him some nice words and he will be happy. For a person to lift him up, you have to go down and lift him up. Yes, I just wonder how how you go do that. You do that, you're at a, a beautiful, joyous occasion, and then an hour or two later, you have to show up to this devastating, sometimes horrific, horrifically right. sad moment. So what type of mentality, you said it was harder when you were younger, what type of mentality do you use to kind of keep yourself balanced? You, yeah, you mature, you, you don't take it so emotionally. You, you deal with it because if you, you get too emotionally involved, you cannot help the family. It's a, it's a balance. But the, the, what gives me the strength is that I know that I give them strength. Yeah. And when you give them strength and you see the response and they back give you strength, and it's it fits each other, and every and everyone like this is hard. But on the other end, you see how people find pull themselves together and move on. And this alone gives you strength. What was the common theme amongst the hundreds and thousands of people that you deal with in 2020? What was the most common theme that you saw from people in terms of what they were seeking from you to help them 
maybe overcome the sadness, overcome the, the rut of 2020? What, what were they looking it for? It was sadness and fear. Fear, yes. And anxiety, a lot of anxiety. That's more than everything. And doing anxiety, people even think already on strange things. They prepare themselves for the world coming to an end. And everything together with the election, with everything together didn't help. Mm-hmm. Then now that's a little, things are relaxing. I hope they will be a little better. What, what was the common theme? People would come to you and say, Rabbi, help me with, what was? You know, people don't even tell you, Rabbi, help me. They just speak about the They just issues. open up their they feelings. Just open, exactly. You're a psychologist. <laughs> Among many other things. <laughs> you wear many hats. That's One very important hat, the yarmulke, but you wear many hats. Yes, absolutely. Figuratively speaking. That I'm not really a, psycho- a psychologist. I'm not a licensed psychologist, but yeah, if you're, if you're a rabbi, you have to feel the pain of others, feel the joy of others. Sometimes it's easier to feel others' pain than feel the others' joy, you know? You, you don't mind, many times people feel bad for somebody else, but can you feel good for somebody else? Mm. The other person is successful. I'm so happy for him. Good for him. I'm so glad. Sometimes people have a harder time with this. You know, to feel bad for somebody is lower than you. You feel bad for him. Oh, yeah, yeah we want to help him. He's a nebach. We need to help him. Mm-hmm. But somebody is successful and is good. And just to say, I'm so g- good for him. I'm so happy for him. I'm so proud of him. Good for That's also something that we need to think about. And to learn how to enjoy other people's blessings, success. Being genuinely happy for other people when exactly. you're doing well. I'm not just saying, oh, good for you. Really being happy for them. Putting yourself in that in that yeah, person's and saying, shoes. And saying, why not? He, saw, he did well, he walked, he walked so hard, he did well. God bless him. Why do people? Why are people not genuinely, why do people struggle putting themselves in that position? Because it means they... <laughs> They are not as successful. Then they feel like they cannot. They cannot give themselves down. They cannot put themselves down because they're unhappy with where they're at in their current state. You see, when somebody is suffering, they feel better than them. They don't mind to feel bad for them to help them even. When somebody is better than them. It's much harder to admit to yourself that you are not the most successful human being on earth. So it's easier to feel compassion for somebody that has a worse position than you do. But it's hard to feel. How there? Not out, but how there? It's harder. Sometimes it's harder. Not by every. I'm sure there are many people that are very happy for others. Of course. Others. But, general, but in general, general, I think it's harder to feel genuinely, as you said, very good word, genuinely happy for somebody. That's interesting. Think about it. People run to funerals much more often than they run to. If you invite them to a party, it's out of town. No, it's too hard. It's too this. But the funeral people make a bigger effort to support somebody in pain. Wow. They feel bad. But uh, as a body, you will have enough people without me. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way. It's so true. It's true. You think about it, you'll see it. People want to lend a ha- helping hand when you're feeling down and lowly. And it's good that they, f- that they feel absolutely. like this. I, that's great. It's absolutely. But, but there's something about the human psyche that makes us gravitate toward people that are 
less off in that moment. They might not be less off forever. Yeah. But in that moment, they're grieving a a lost one, for example. Versus, hey, uh, I just got my my son just got a huge promotion at the at the law firm, and we're gonna go go celebrate his successes. Exactly. Oh, you guys, you you guys can do that without me. Exactly. Or say, oh, how much you would like to hear when somebody brags about his children. Right. Oh, they're great. My kids just graduated college and is going to medical school. Yeah, you know what? The father, that son is already a medical doctor and doing well, is very happy for that person. But the father whose son did not go on the right track and is doing some, you know, exactly. some things that he shouldn't exactly. be doing, that's tough for that father to be happy for that. Exactly. That's student. why I tell people, to the people that have ch- um, very successful children, tell them, don't talk too much because you are just hurting other people. God bless you. Enjoy it. You know, there is in Judaism something that's called Canaan Hora. Evil eye. Canaan Hora? Canaan Hora. Okay. What's the evil eye really all about? How Judaism looks of it? Give you an example. You give, you have three three daughters. You're blessed. You give one child ice cream. You tell her ice cream. You tell her, eat it yourself on the side. Nobody should see it. Because if you'll see, if they will see it, you'll have to share it with them. Mm. Now she runs out, obviously, to show it to it, <laughs> and then she doesn't want to give it. Then you tell her, listen, if because of you, because what they give good to you, the other kids will be jealous and cry, then you're not getting again. The same thing is with God. God is the father of all of us. If He gives Mister Ray good, and this good. Causes pain to Mr. B and Mr. C, mm-hmm. he says, then I cannot give it to you. If you know how to wear it, if you know how to be graceful about it, not to brag, not to take out other people's eyes, don't don't bother them, then it's fine, I'll give you more. But if if your good brings pain to others mm. and they turn to God and says, God, why am I like me? Just like your little girls tell you, why am I want also ice cream? And you end up to give it to become a two o'clock in the morning, a whole ice cream party, just because you get, got out of control. Then we have to learn how to wear our blessings gracefully, modestly, in a nice way. You know, nobody cares that you're successful. As long as you don't brag about that, and you don't zzz, don't go correct, right? Then, for example, my father, we, I come from a very large family. My father never spoke about his children. How your kids are doing? Thank God, very good. That was the end of the conversation. People used to ask him, "How many children you have?" He used to say, "Why you need to know? You need to support them." <laughs> How many did he have? My father. We yes. Had, we, had the, we have we have a very double large digits. family. Double yeah. digits. Yeah. 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 Thank God, we have a blessed family. But I mean to say is the idea is to, but on the other hand, that's on the person who is blessed. But the person who is not so blessed to get himself to be happy for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people like to be, be, look, bad news sells itself. And the news, you're only bad news. Why? Because people gravitate to bad news. Mm-hmm. Good news is not when they're, oh, there is another mutation. Oh, everybody's talking about it. There is another this. And there is some people like, that are like just like thriving in this, more service and more problems. Yeah. Instead of being uplifting, uh, outlook, to have a good outlook, to be optimistic, you see, it takes effort to be optimistic. It takes, takes effort to be upbeat. 
it's much e- to be depressed doesn't take effort you just sit on the couch and you're depressed mm. doesn't have to, don't have to right. do anything you wake up you don't want to go out of bed finished don't have to do anything to be depressed to be negative doesn't take doesn't take effort do you think when people see the negativity on the news especially when they're in a bad place <laughs> it makes them feel good when they they see other things that there does it make it them subconsciously feel like comfort that knowing that there's maybe other people no, that they're, are struggling they're, they're happy when everybody else is suffering too that, right that's what i mean yeah but they're not really happy they just depresses them even more and more they're and not more. really happy but they there's a comfort knowing that maybe yeah, everybody not, else not, is suffering right there's other people struggling yes even just worse than i even worse than i yeah and why it's not it's not, not only me but it takes effort to be optimistic it's they it takes effort to be happy doesn't take effort to be said and when you say effort that takes a lot of mental energy well energy energy yes yes comparison is the thief of joy one of my favorite quotes of all time Very by good. Thomas uh, Theodore Roosevelt comparison is the thief of joy that's kind of what we're t- saying here because when you have you're comparing your situation to somebody else's it takes away from maybe some maybe your situation is good right you, th- you don't have to be in a bad situation to still feel maybe not so great about yourself because you're comparing your your medical student son. You're comparing the fact that, oh, he didn't get into Harvard, though. My buddy's son got into Harvard. But your son just got into University of Michigan Ann Arbor. But he didn't get into the Ivy League. You, you know what I mean? Sure. So your situation could still be very good. And Amazing. Happy. Amazing. And still not good enough. And still st- you shouldn't be happy. And you're still stripped of your happiness because Absolutely. of the comparison. That's what happens. Usually we compare ourselves to people who are more successful than us. Not to people who are less successful than us. You know, sometimes I speak to the Hebrew school kids. 12-year-old kids. Dude, it's not fear. You know this line. That's not fear. Mm-hmm. I tell them, yeah, it's not fear that you kids are living in Solonaio and 95% of the world would wish to live in Solonaio. It's not fear that you have such a good life. It's not They don't, they like look at me like I fell off from the moon. <laughs> I tell them, not fear? This is not fear. You, you think it's not fear that you're not even more? 99% of the world would wish to be in your situation. Right. And how do they react? They just stare they, at you. They're like, they're <laughs> change the st- they change the time. Very quick. But I wonder if they really understand. I don't think they can grasp what you're saying. You know what? Even if they don't grasp, they will grasp. One day. I knock it in their head that one day they'll understand it. Yeah. yeah. You know, how many times you hear things over life, and then one day it's like just you you tie your shoe, and it, not, and it just dawns on you. You suddenly understand what you heard 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's the aha moment. Exactly. I remember when Rabbi told me at Sunday school (laughs) that I wasn't lucky. Now I get it, that I am lucky. Luckier than 99% of people. When you get a real taste of what the real world is truly like. Um, But back to what we were saying, too, about... Because this whole thing is about happiness and the pursuit of happiness. And that's kind of what we want to focus on throughout this conversation here. So, but I, I'm wondering because you heard a lot of people in 2020 coming to you with fear and sadness. So I know that sometimes they're just quite often just speaking to you and and letting all their feelings out and emotions. Can you give us some insight and some common themes and some approaches that you would take with them when you're when you're giving advice back? Well, I give I tell them this. Number one is like this. No one is lonely. God is with you. What do you mean you're lonely? You're not lonely. Lonely is a mindset. You know, I remember once 
there is a Chabad convention of all the Chabad rabbis in the world. And there is rabbis in very remote places, very remote places. And my brother is a rabbi in Alaska, and he was asked to come to speak how he deals with his loneliness. He gets up and says, my friend, I have nothing to tell you. I never felt lonely. <laughs> and they're looking at him like, they, what are you talking about? They were about? angry with him because there are people who were there from not so remote places like Alaska for Chabad Rabbi. And they were complaining that they are lonely. And this guy came and he just ruined the whole argument. <laughs> but what did he say? So he says, about, what does he say about God? How does he explain it's, it? It's, when you, it's, all, it's all what you think, what you, you have to... You have to feel a purpose. Really, what is the pursuit of happiness? What is happiness? That's a question. How you find happiness in life? And if you have happiness, you're, done, you're not lonely. You know, there is pleasures and there is happiness. It's two separate things. Right. And people think they will have pleasures, they will be more happy. Money, Money cars, travel, and they will, and material then, things. Material, and then sometimes it gets into addictions, alcohol, drugs. The problem with these things, it's never enough. Mm. It drugs, it's good for the time that you did. An hour later, you want it again. Two hours later, again. And the same thing with alcohol, it's never enough. Pleasures are never enough. Then it's good to have pleasures, as long as you can control the pleasure. The moment the pleasure controls you, you're in trouble. Mm. Interesting. Then money, it's like... Yeah, money, sure, who doesn't want to, have, to be able to be comfortable? But when you become, you're, all, you're obsessed with money, and your whole identity is by how much money you have, then it's something that, that it wants your life. Yeah, you can't be truly happy, because you're always looking at more, 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 more. You're trying to fill a you're cup you're that not, you can't fill. You're right, it's unlimited. Correct, you know, it's a God, phantom. You say God is unlimited, sometimes your desires, because we are created in the image of God, we can take it to good and to bad. It's unlimited. You want more and more and more and more and more. So how do people have God with them? How does, how does that rabbi have God? How do you have God? How do people practice this? Now, what is, we'll go back to how, then how you find happiness. You know, people think, if you think you were born in the terrace, and you would think you would have today this kind of luxury. Born in the 30s, you say? Yeah. Okay. And then somebody will tell you, no, in 2020, from a cell phone, you'll be able to do a, to see another person. To all this, all you'll this. be able to publish a podcast all over the world. Yeah, like from, your own right now. from your own from house. Your own from your own basement. Yes, yes. You wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't, say, have, I wouldn't have believed that 15 or 20 years ago, probably. You're right, the you're right, you're right. right so. Now, if you would think, a person who lived there would say, oh, in 2020, we are going to be happy. Then we are going to be happy. If we will have this and this and be able to go on cruises. Now, 2020, it was a bad year. 2019, okay. 2019, <laughs> we would be happy. Right. We are actually not only not more happy, we are less happy. But why? Why are we less oh. happy? There was a, you probably heard about Viktor Frankl. He was a famous psychiatrist. Viktor Frankl was a Jew who was a psychiatrist already in Vienna before World War II. And he, his brother and his sister uh, immigrated to the United States. And he was, he was caught in Vienna in, uh, when, the, when, the, in Austria, when Austria was conquered by the Nazis. And he, and he was waiting for a visit to America too. He gets the visa, but then he had a dilemma. He lived with his parents. He was the doctor in the, the Rothschild Hospital in Vienna. I think it was a Jewish hospital. 
and he knew the moment he lives, he lives, as long as he's with his parents and he's an important doctor, the Nazis will not touch his parents. They will not deport them so, far, so fast. If he goes to America, they're going to deport him. He didn't know what to do. He was completely confused. One day he comes home, he sees a piece of stone, nice stone on the table, a broken stone. He asks his father, what is it? His father tells him, this is, you know, they destroyed the synagogue here. And I passed by on the sidewalk and I found a piece of stone with the with Hebrew writing. He says, what's written there? He tells him, this is, you know, in many synagogues, in top of the ark, they have the Ten Commandments. And this is a piece of the Ten Commandments. He says, what, which one? He says, this is the beginning of the letters of honor your father and mother. Victor Frankl looked at it as a sign from God. He should stay in, in, in uh, Vienna, not go to America. He ended up, his family didn't survive, he survived. Then he says, he arrived to the camps. Then he was deported later on. He had in his end his whole work that he, all his, this, this, he, all his philosophy and everything. As he came into, they took from him everything from the land and threw it straight in the fire. His whole handwritten work, he felt like he's dead. Then they stripped him from the clothing, they shaved them, they made him put on a um, uniform from the, from the camp uniform. And pur purposely they gave short uniform to, to tall people, tall un long uniform to short people, just to, to lose, you should lose your image of a human being. And he felt, he, he took him, thought, looked at himself and he says, it's not me. It's an image of Viktor Frankl, but it's not me. I'm over. I have no purpose to live anymore. Then he puts his hand into his pocket. He takes out, it's not his pocket, the pocket from a guy who wore it and died. And he takes out a little paper from a prayer book. And it was written there, Hero Israel, I am God, I, I am a, I'm your, uh, I'm God. I'm one. God, God is. I'm your God. God is one. Shema, I, I know it in Hebrew. I don't know how to translate right, it. Right, right. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Okay. Then, um, and he said, the moment he saw it, it suddenly gave him back his identity. He thought to himself, they can take from me everything or they cannot take from me my faith. They cannot take from me my religion, my beliefs. Who I am, nobody can take away from me. And he, after the Holocaust, he, wrote, he came and he wrote a book. It's called um, Men's, uh, Search for, uh, Men's, Men's Search for Meaning. And basically his whole philosophy that he started from before, but he saw it in the, in the camps more, that people who had a purpose survived. So, okay. More chances to survive. There's no generalization. Mm -hmm. People who had a purpose, they were living for the children. They were living for a bigger, for higher purpose. They survived. A human being to find happiness, he says, needs to have a purpose. Mm. Needs to do good to others. Need to help other people. Serve. To serve, to accomplish, to make, to make a difference. It's even true in business. In a business, you want only to make money. You'll never make money. You have to want to do something. I want to make the, I want to create a, a product that will be good for people. I'll make it good. Then it gives you a purpose. Then you, uh, making money is a byproduct. Mm. But you say, I, I want to make money. <laughs> no, you'll never make money. What do you mean you want to make money? 
You want to make, you want to do something. You want to make an impact. Exactly. And you be want fulfilled. To, you want to serve people in any way, shape, or form. But you have to have a purpose in life. When you have a purpose, that gives you meaning and that gives you happiness. So to tie that back to the question, why are people less happy now? Is it because less people have purpose? Yes. They sit at home. They do nothing. Uh, they sit. They, they, they suddenly they're worthless. Mm. Think about people who used to go to work every day and they cannot work on the computer. There's a big part of the world that service people. They, let's, take, let's take a barber. Everyone needs a barber. Right. And you like your barber or people do manicure, all of these type of people. Surgeons, when there was no emergency surgery, they do, they do only elective surgeries. Suddenly staying home, what is going to do with the computer? Nothing. Mm. So they're lacking a purpose, lacking which purpose. keeps them unfulfilled. Because doesn't when you're making an impact, you have a feeling of fulfillment. Because I think fulfillment is even more than happiness. I think happiness comes in. This spurts. is happiness. Fulfillment. Fulfillment is happiness. Yes, fulfillment sure. is happiness. Sure. Happiness is not fulfillment. Right? What I mean to say is, for happiness is not that people think they run around and they joy and sing. That's not for happiness. That's yeah, in a wedding you should dance. Happiness is a feeling of good, feeling good about yourself, feeling good that you make a difference. And the way you get there is by impact and it being fulfilled and all, serving yes. people and serving other people, making a difference. May, absolutely, it could be it could be brick and mortar jobs, right? Any it, it job, could be working on, on construction down absolutely. the down the street. You're you're improving the city. You know that each piece of gravel, each pavement. All the tar that you're laying down, it's going to have a positive Absolutely. effect on, on the cars, Absolutely. the roads, the people. It gives you huge sense of satisfaction. As ask architect, ask the builders. Sure, absolutely. When you build a build a building with your own hand and that's standing, it's amazing, amazing satisfaction. And we're lacking that this especially more so now than ever because of the pandemic that has kept a lot of people home. Like you said, a lot of people lost jobs, so they they're lacking that fulfillment factor. And uh, people that even do have kept their jobs, they've become a little bit more secluded, right? They're they're working. For, they're at home. They're not. You're not out. You're not socializing. You're not making an impact. Absolutely. Potentially, even the first few weeks of the when we closed down the synagogue and everything, you felt down. I, I fell down. It was like, what is going to be here? There was no services. No. Then we started to walk, and we we got on the Zoom right away. But still, until it's established itself and until... But you know, you have to reinvent yourself. Yes. Not everybody is made to reinvent himself. So when you... Again, what what are... So what, continue on. Where are some of the other things that you're telling people it, to help them get out of this bad mental state, mental health? What, what do you what The do you only way to really get out of mental state is to... There is many ways to help other people, even if it's not in your job. You talk to people that need help. You call people. There is so many people, nobody calls them. You know, kids now were out of school for so long. You know, the popular kids are okay. They're their friends. The less popular kids, when they go to school, they're with friends. Right. When they're not, nobody calls them. Mm. Then a kid can go over weeks, nobody will ever talk to him. That is nobody. so sad. This is so sad. And nobody thinks about the less the less fortunate, the less successful, the less popular. 
or the kids that are behind mentally that need a little more extra attention from teachers, socialization. They they, they don't pick up things maybe as fast as their peers. Even those if, people are those kids are falling farther and farther behind right now. Yeah, and it's not even if the teachers give them their attention, they need friends. Teachers are not enough. Right. They need friends. They need social life. Socialization. Exactly. Then every person can do it. Can sit down and decide is calling to neighbors, to cousins. You cannot go to visit them. Fine, do it from your own place. Make a phone call. How hard is it? Talk to somebody five minutes. Ask him how is he doing. Ask what's, what is happening in his life. Learn about him. Even if you don't want to help him physically or materially. Or talking, smiling to people. Now we cannot smile because of the mask. Nobody's smiling. We lost they the might smile. be smiling. We just don't know. We don't know. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm speaking in the congregation. I used to have feedback. I used to <laughs> smile or cry. Now it's like I'm talking to the wolves. You're like, uh-oh, it's getting a little hot in here. What's going on? <laughs> Nobody's laughing at me. But everyone is. They're just, you can't see it with, you the, can't with see the masks on. That's, that's right. a very, when you don't get feedback, it's a very hard thing. And that's what people, so many people, I tell you, I make it, in part of my job, I call people in different situations. Every time when I finish a conversation, people tell me, thank you, Rabbi, for calling me. I appreciate it so much, your phone call. And everyone can do it. It's not a job of rabbi. It's not a job of clergy. Right. Everyone can be a rabbi. And everyone should help others. And the only way to help yourself is by helping others. The only way. Because if you're only for yourself, you get only get depressed and you get get because it's never enough, as I told you before. So how do people that are struggling to find God, because that's back to that a little bit, really intrigues me. How do people that struggle to find God, what are some of the ways that they can bring God back into their lives? What are the practices? What do they do? Is it just, how do you do that? Do you just think to yourself, okay, I, you know what I mean? What, what, I'll tell you. What's the mentality? For a Jew, we have we have commandments. Light the candles on Friday night. You can put on film. You can do other things. And this, I the Judaism believe, as like Nike, just do it. Mm. If you do it, it starts to grow on you. you. You get into it. You know, if you smile to somebody, you know, think about you have a. You're walking in, a, in, a, you, in your place, you walk in the office. Then one of the new workers, you don't like him. You actually don't like him. But he sits in a cubicle next to you. You talk to him once, you talk to him twice, you talk to him three times. You start to like him. You find something in common, you become friends. And you, and you said, you know what? It wasn't so bad. It's not so bad. I actually enjoy him. The same thing is with Judaism. It's like with food. Taste it. And then you'll know if you like it or not. If you don't taste it, you'll, not know, you'll never know if you like it. Mm. You have to put your fingers in the cold water. You have to jump into. You have to do it. But so and but so the other people that are not Judy, uh, non-Jews and don't they practice can, Judaism, should, same mentality, same approach, same mentality. regardless of what their faith is. No matter what it is, pray to God. One time it's you're not going to connect. The second time you're not connect. The third time you connect. Before you pray to God, help another person. When God sees you helping somebody else, He will help you. Do you believe that you can manifest your future and your destiny? What do you mean? Can you can you create your future? Can yeah. you control your can future? You, can you manifest it into existence? Can you will it? Can you can you 
put it out, the energy and the thoughts and the feelings, and praying to God, can you yeah. manifest a certain path? Yeah, the Hasidic, Hasidic philosophy is a very old statement. The Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Schneerson, of blessed memory, the great Rebbe of Chabad, and really of many, many Jews in the world, used to say many times, think good and will be good. Right. Then you are, you are positive. It is, the, it is what stands behind it. God is a reflection of you. You are positive, you smile, God will smile to you. You are happy, God will bring you more happiness. You are sad, he will give you more sadness. Mm. It compounds out. It, 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 domino, you, are you, are exactly, you are manufacturing your own future. In many times. Now somebody will say, I was happy all my life, look what happened to me. There is always exception to every rule. But this, and you said this, and happened to me this, you know, there's always be somebody in the back of the synagogue who say that to him it happened the opposite. Fine. We cannot give everyone a book that it's going to be exactly. We don't know how God runs the world. But in general, I that's how the system works. You, you reminded me the first time we talked that you're not God's attorney, so you don't exactly. know exactly. <laughs> but that's so true, right? I mean, because going back to that thing, you can't always, you're not going to always know the why. You might never know the why. You never know the why. If God didn't, if God, if God, we spoke about it, I think, last time. If God didn't tell us why, it's better for us not to know. Right. But we have to be positive and optimistic about the future. No matter whatever happened until now, happened. But from the future, we always have to be optimistic. And the best way to be optimistic, the best way is to, you know, when you, when you try to make somebody else optimistic, you convince yourself, actually. Mm-hmm. When you say a message to be other people many times, you become much more identified with the message. Mm. Yes. When I see somebody, I, when I give le lectures and classes, I tell people about Judaism. But when they start to tell it to others, you see, they become, it becomes a part of their agenda, of themselves, of their identity. Then the more we help others in any way, shape or form, the more we'll become identified with this, with the same message, and we are actually helping ourselves. We think we help others. Right. We help ourselves. That's it right there. The biggest benefit, benefactor of me as a, a day of helping other people is myself. You asked me in the beginning how I deal with so much sorrow and this. To a point, it's, it's, it's a feed, the feedback, it's, they give me energy. Even if it's a very sad no situation. No matter what, they give me energy. The time a benefactor, I receive from them more than I give them. And when you're able to offer comfort in those very dark moments, exactly. that you're, you're, you're I come out stronger. being fulfilled, you're Absolutely. making an impact, you're feeling that sense of happiness, even though you're in a very sad setting. Just the opposite, yes. Yeah. That's very powerful. And, and, and therefore, really, I, I say thank you to people because I'm a receiver more than a giver. Mm -hmm. Then I, that's I heard also from the Rebbe, and he used to encourage in the 60s, the young Chabad rabbis to go all over the world to share Judaism. He used to say, you think you're a giver? Mm -hmm. You're a receiver. Because it's coming back tenfold. Tenfold, exactly. And they always say that too, you always hear, the more money I give, the more I seem mm -hmm. to be showered with it. The more I give of my time, the more I seem to be showered with good things, good people coming into my lives. The more I give, I'm getting back like 
10x or more. Not only because you get other good things, because you feel good. Right. Think about that. And Shelton Adelson said to young people, he spoke about new jobs, how to get, he says, call to people who are professionals, they'll always be happy to share their experiences. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you somebody calls you, oh, you make a good uh, podcast, you'll be very happy to tell them. Absolutely. Because it gives you a sense of fulfillment. It does, 100%. This, this what we're doing gives me a sense of fulfillment. Absolutely. That's the reason I do it. Absolutely. I do it for no other reason. Exactly. Because I'm making an impact on whoever wants to listen. It could be anywhere in the world, and we're making an impact. That's so powerful to me. And that, again, gives me fulfillment because I know the impact's there, and the fulfillment allows me to be full and feel that happiness. Does it fade? Of course it does. There's Life has challenges. We have ups and downs left and right. But this type of stuff allows me to remain Still above, gives you above the water. Above exactly. the water. Yes. It gives you the inside energy. Life's hard. We're always getting thrown with things every day, every week, every month for sure. Life is hard. But the five minute of fulfillment that you have, the hour, it always brings you back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people concentrate on the bad thing that, oh, I had a terrible day. Somebody screamed at them, he had a terrible day. Another 50,000 things went good for him. He comes over with a terrible day. Mm -hmm. And the other end, think that about- kid, That kid in uh, Iraq, whose parents just had a, a, a car bomb go off in their car, wishes that they had terrible. a terrible day. But I, but it's not it's not comforting, you see? Of course. What you what he need instead is if he would do good something, if he would help another another kid, if he will do something good, he will give a good answer, he will have a good test, he will feel good that he did something for somebody else, that he had a great day. Mm. It doesn't make a difference what happened the rest of the day. He feels good about himself. So if you're having a bad day, go out and do something good will make you feel good. It could be anything. It could be opening a car door for somebody. It could be helping someone helping. with their groceries get to the car, an, old, an elderly person, right? It could be anything. It could be anything. Yeah, it's the most, writing an email to somebody you didn't speak six months and a text message, tell them, you know, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing? What about uh, when you just said that, that made me think of something else. We're jumping around a little bit. But I wasn't thinking about a friend that you haven't talked to in six months. What about somebody that you've had a falling out with, right? And it's been six months or six years even. It's time to make up. And you know, because this is not only will make you feel better. When you have, when you have a grudge, it's like I heard it from a rabbi, he says, you, it's like holding a coal in your hand and being surprised why it's burning you. <laughs> Uh, holding a coal, a burning coal in a your hand. A burning coal in your hand. And, then and, you're, wondering, and you're wondering why it hurts. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> so you're, uh, the analogy is is holding a grudge. Is dry, draining you, brings you down. It's heavy. It's sucking it you It goes away. around. Because you, you, you around. haven't forgiven. You exactly. haven't forgiven. The guy sleeps. The other person sleeps very well. Totally, you, totally forgot about he you. He doesn't even know that you hurt you. Right. And you still haven't you still haven't forgiven exactly right if you carry that your whole resentment and carry that grudge your whole life first of all the other person has so much control over you which why would you give that person that kind of control no he doesn't have control over you you are doing it to yourself correct right but in your mind you're yeah. letting that person who's been sleeping for six years straight not thinking about you and you're busy sitting still holding the grudge you exactly. haven't forgiven so your advice is there's no time like the present pick up the phone Shoot a text message, or, or the, send or, an email. Or, or if you don't want, just forgive him and move on. Or just forgive. You don't even need to talk. Move the doctor. 
because sometimes you said, you know, you hurt me, and he did know that you hurt you. You're creating a new fight. <laughs> but how do you truly forgive internally where you actually feel it instead of just saying, I forgive? How do you feel that? You, you <laughs> I mean, I know that it's hard. It's, just it's, hard. it's a hard thing. I'll tell you, you know, it's a, the best analogy is like, you, let's say you move, you downsize. And then you have all many, many tchotchkes that you have that you are very important. They're important to you. But you know that you have to give away things. You have to get rid of things. You have too many furniture, too much furniture, too much stuff you, you accumulated the whole life. You have to give away. Mm -hmm. And you have no choice. They say, you know what? How important is that to me? Not so important. Let's move on. I didn't look at it for 10 years. Let's move on. The same thing is it gorgeous. You're downsizing. There's no uh, place here. Right. Clean it up. How important is it? It's 10 years I'm thinking about. Move on. Right, right, right. Get rid of it. Look the, at your But yeah. the truth is, the get rid of gorgeous is back to the same thing. If you be busy with doing good, you'll not be. You'll not have time for this nonsense. If you're busy serving, busy serving, the, busy. The busy grudge people. can naturally go away on its own because you're not thinking about you it. Don't have time it's, for this. Right. Who has time to be to be angry to to carry grudges on twenty years ago? It's probably easier to let go of grudges once you're living a more impactful, happy life. When you have an impactful life and a happy life and a busy life, a fulfilling busy life. You will, all of this will go away. It all comes from boredom, from not feeling, not boredom, not feeling fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Not content. Not helping. It, in a, fulfilled doesn't mean you have to go to Honduras and help somebody. Taking care of your own kids. Right. You're raising three beautiful kids. Right. That's an amazing fulfillment. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go far. Everyone is, you know, in Judaism says charity starts from home. You know, people try to help the, the, in Africa. <laughs> in downtown, <laughs> I'm not care. It's going to when you're going to Africa. There is in downtown people who need you. Right. <laughs> There's across the street people who need you. They're going on a missionary trip. Exactly. The there world. is your nephew. Have you seen the guys downtown at the soup kitchen that could use a hand? Exactly. Yeah. Your nephew that nobody talks to him. Mm -hmm. Then when you when you start to look on people, you know, you're walking into a room, look around. So is the look at who is the less fortunate person there, and go over say hello to him. I mean, now there's no many rules with a lot of people, but in general, you come to a party, you see somebody sitting in a wheelchair, an older person, somebody who is sitting, standing on the side, who is embarrassed, who is like he doesn't have friends. You come over, you you befriend them. Think about others, not only about yourself. It's why you. It's why when I look at you, and obviously life's not perfect by any stretch, but it's why you're always in a happier fulfilled state because you are you're you're making an impact you're serving others every single day of your life and when i do it i feel better i can see a day that that i didn't do it for half a day or something i was running around with nonsense things you know sometimes you're busy with the leak in the building and things like this yeah <laughs> <laughs> finally you talk to a normal person you have a nice conversation you learn talk with somebody you, you absolutely change right, you right back right back to that happy put, put you positive, in a different mood absolutely positive state absolutely Wow, that's really uh, that's really powerful and really touching. You know, I, I, there was once a, a girl, a couple were about, about to get married, and they went into the Rebbe for a private audience. The Lubavitcher Rebbe was a rabbi of the the Rebbe of Chabad, and as I told you before, and the one that was like the most the uh, most prominent Rebbe, prominent, yes, the greatest Rebbe you ever know and you'll ever will be, in my opinion. Well. 
I know you, so I'm, yeah, and I'm just I might be biased, I'm, but I'm as far as I can get. <laughs> <laughs> and once a couple walked in, and uh, and were to get a blessing for the wedding, the wedding was that week. Then the bride turns to the rabbi. She says, "I need to talk to the rabbi privately." Whoa, this guy! <laughs> the rabbi looked at him. He left. This yeah. guy felt. You can imagine how he felt outside. Yeah, <laughs> twenty minutes he was inside. He left. It was a few days before the wedding. A religious couple doesn't speak to each other before the week before the wedding. After the chuppah, the first question is asking him, "What the rabbi told you? What it's happened?" Been killing him all week. It was killed him. It was driving crazy. He knew something was very bad. She said, "I told the rabbi, I don't want to get married." I'm afraid to get married. He was right. He had no he, he was, intuition. He knew it. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because she says, "I'm sure he wants to have a family, and I don't like children." She tells the rabbi, "I don't like children." The rabbi told her, "Relaxed her. Told her you get married." He relaxed her. Yeah, and he told her, "And after you get married, go be a volunteer in a hospital, a children's hospital, help kids, and then we'll talk." This woman, I think, has 15 children, 14 children, something like that. No kidding. So, and she did what he told her to do. Yeah, she got married, and she became a volunteer, and she started, started to grow on her and to love children. You know, there is in, in Cleveland, every hospital has volunteers who come there just to cheer up the kids, to help the parents. To, there is so many ways to, what, what they say, it's the same idea. The moment you do for others, America is so known for volunteering. Everybody's volunteering. Everybody's, right. and when you, the more you help, what I mean to say, even during this time that you cannot go to places, there is so many easy ways with an email, with a message, with a phone call. Right, it's easier to communicate now than it's ever been. Than ever. I mean, ever, ever, ever. Giving a like on somebody else's Facebook, not sitting there and being jealous why this guy is having fun and I'm not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, it goes back to the comparison thing. Don't compare yourself. If we if we didn't have the ability to, to compare ourselves to other people, we would generally be happier no matter what. You right? see, God created jealousy for a purpose. Why? Because it, it motivates you. Let's say you go to school and the other student, your friend is doing better than you. He says, I want to be like him. Mm -hmm. I learn harder, I do harder. Then as long as you don't, the jealousy... You you uh, you don't envy him for in a bad way, right? Then it's it's a motivator, it's an engine. Yeah, it's the uh, iron sharp sharpens iron. I don't know if you've ever heard that analogy, but no. iron sharpens iron. Exactly. You know, people that surround themselves uh, in the gym with other people that are working out, doing doing well. If you surround yourself with people that are super dedicated, working out every single day, you're going to elevate yourself and continue to be like them. Absolutely. If you surround yourself with the people that are slacking, they're on their phone, they're they're doing one or two reps at the at the machine, they're playing on their phone, they're eating chips in between. You're gonna you're probably going to be like them, or if you're not, you're not going to improve and optimize like exactly. you would with the other group. It's the same thing across the board, right? Absolutely. When you're surrounded by other intellectual. You learn think, more. Think you learn more. You're more inspired. You're you want to be better and better and better, which is what you're saying. Absolutely. I don't know if je if it's jealousy or if it's just being drawn to being motivated. Motivated, absolutely. Now you can let that if that makes you jealous. That's only because you're not willing to go put in that same exactly. work. Exactly. You're gonna end up with those guys over there eating chips and playing on your phone. I mean, exactly. right? That's that's really what it comes. Yeah, down there to. is a Talmudic statement. What you said, a person should be. Better to be a tail to the lions than an head to the fox. Yes. 
Understand? Absolutely. You, the, the big, you're you better want to be, be a, the supreme, even if you're not the most supreme of the supreme better group. Better be a tail be, to be the within supreme. the supreme group at least. It rubs off on you. Absolutely, and that's what we should be doing with everything, including serving others. And and because again, you said it before, everything rubs off. It's a compounding effect. It's a domino effect. The more that you put yourself in the happy mindset, the more that you have an impact. The more fulfilled you're going to be because you're serving other people, you're having positive experiences, you're manifesting like we talked about, where you're creating your own destiny, your own journey, your own path. All of these things are interconnected, correct? Absolutely. It's yeah. all about the mindset at the end of the day. And, they, and they're ready to go out, get up and do it. Get up and do it. It's not enough to have a mindset. It's like... Put it into action as well. It means to say, even yes. if you don't have the mindset, if you will do it, you'll get the mindset. Right. It's a chicken and the egg. It, you they kind of play with, off of each other. You start with action, mm -hmm. and the action, think about it. When you lay in bed, for sure you're in a bad mood. Right. What people tell you, get up, get dressed, go out, drink a coffee, go out, meet a person. You'll cheer up yourself. Yes. And like you said, the more you do it, it becomes part of your identity. Absolutely. Like you said before, the more you start saying things, you're like, oh, this is, I believe this. I feel this. You don't even realize. You don't realize that. It's but you bec it becomes you. The pursuit of happiness. This was a powerful, powerful conversation. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else to finish off? Final thought. Please. Every time when I see you, you're smiling, and you bring me a smile. That's <laughs> the pursuit of happiness. That's why I came here. Thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, Rabbi.